Hey guys, welcome to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Diana Lee. I spent years steeped in diet culture, obsessively weighing, measuring, and tracking my food. In 2019, I ditched macro tracking for good, and now I've made it my mission to help you swap diets for real food freedom. It's time to unfuck your mindset and stop letting food control you. Let's dive in. What's up, guys? I am back with another episode of Mindset Shift. So my last episode, I touched upon five key mindset shifts that you need to make in your health and fitness journey. And I've I had a whole laundry list of mindset shifts that I couldn't jam pack into one episode. I kind of alluded to doing probably a follow-up to that one. So here it is. The follow-up is here. And I know that these are a lot of mindset shifts. So I had five in my last one. I'm going to have six in this one because I just couldn't pick between only five. And something I want to preface this episode with is you're not necessarily going to relate to every single mindset shift that I am sharing between these two episodes. All right. So while I'm listing 11 mindset shifts just between these two episodes alone, that doesn't mean that you relate to all 11 of them. I want you to take in this information and really resonate with the ones that you feel are speaking to you the most, especially at this point in your journey. The further you get along in your health and fitness journey, the more that you learn about both yourself and the process, you might actually find that you're adopting different mindset shifts as you go. And you might need that little reminder of, hey, actually, this is probably when we want to shift that mindset. You just might not be there yet. And that's totally okay. So I've got you covered here. Let's dive into it. Here are six more essential mindset shifts that you need to make in order to be successful on your health and fitness journey. The first one is one of my favorite mindset shifts when it comes to working with my clients to help them both find food freedom, but also improve their health in a way that does not feel overwhelming. And that is utilizing the question, how can I make this just a little bit better? What I see is a recurring issue in the health and fitness industry is creating this all or nothing perfectionist mindset. We want to already have lost the weight. We want to already have a healthy relationship with food. We want to have already built the muscle or physique of our lives. And oftentimes in order to get there, we think that we have to check all of these boxes over and over again to perfection in order to see those results. And we fail because you're ultimately going to fail. And when you fail, you fail hard because You think, well, if I didn't hit this one habit, then I'm not going to hit any of my habits at all. You go into what I call fuck it mode and you just send it on the fuck it train, right? And instead, we want to avoid this all or nothing mindset. And I want you to feel a lot more empowered. The second issue that I see a lot in the health and fitness industry is we demonize a lot of things. It's particularly with very specific diets, right? They tell you, you cannot eat this. This is bad for you. I think one of the biggest trends right now is toxins in foods, creating a lot of fear mongering. And I think there's a time and place to have those conversations, but also what you're absorbing on social media is often 
something that's like information that has been packaged to grab your attention. And so as a result, it creates this fear mongering. It creates this very drastic messaging. And we're constantly being told you have to remove things from your life. You have to stop eating this. You cannot do this anymore because it's bad for you. And I want to shift your mindset to, instead of thinking of your health and fitness journey about what you need to take away, think about what you need to add. And when you are adding things into your lifestyle, think about it as an incremental shift rather than this all or nothing. You have to get right to it, be perfect immediately. And that's the only way you're going to get healthy. Here's how I instruct my clients to use this phrase to help guide them as far as making decisions out in the world, making decisions along their health journey. Let's use food. For example, let's say I am going to McDonald's. I know right off the bat that McDonald's might not be the most nutrient dense meal for me. It might be really high in added additives and sodium and whatnot. So we're going to sit there and go, okay, well, this is a bad meal. And I'm going to touch upon that in a minute. This meal is not good for me. It's not good for my goals. But if I stop thinking about how I cannot have this food because it's bad for me, why don't I shift my thinking to how can I make this just a little bit better? Let's say I'm looking at my order of a four-piece chicken nugget with a medium French fry and a soda. A really easy shift to make this meal just a little bit better is maybe replace the soda with water. You can still have the chicken nuggets. You can still have the French fries, but we can improve this meal by adding water. And that will be even just the smallest improvement. Another really easy habit shift could be, I'm just going to eat this meal mindfully. I'm going to eat it slowly. And when I'm full, I'm going to stop eating. And for many of you guys, that could be just enough to make a difference is to not overeat foods that you normally would overindulge in. And that could just be your, how can I make this a little bit better? Let's take it from a workout perspective. Let's say you typically hit the gym four days a week for an hour, but all of a sudden life has hit. You're really, really busy now. And you're like, I can't make it to the gym four days a week for an hour. And you might initially want to think, okay, screw it. I'm not going to go to the gym at all. I'm probably not going to move my body at all. It's just, it's all a wash at this point. What if you stopped yourself and said, how could I make this just a little bit better? Instead of not moving your body at all, can you go for a walk for 30 minutes? Can you go to the gym for just 30 minutes? Maybe it's not an hour, but 30 minutes is still better than nothing. Going for a walk is still better than nothing. Maybe you're experiencing really, really high stress. And so a walk or doing a 20 minute stretch at home is going to benefit you a lot more. Maybe you're not going to the gym four days that week, but you're going three days. Maybe you're going two days, even one day is still better than nothing. So I want you to think incrementally, how can I make this just a little bit better to push your habits in the right direction. Now, I know I mentioned before, we don't want to always think about removing food. We sometimes want to think about how we can add to a meal to make something a little bit better. I know that with my example of the McDonald's, I did specifically remove something to add the water. So I want to try another example for you guys to demonstrate this as well. The other week I was looking to make a snack I didn't have a ton on hand because I honestly, I did not plan well for my snacks that week, admittedly, but I had some leftover tortillas 
I had some cheese, so I figured I would make a quesadilla. And looking at this meal, it might not be the most ideal. It might not be my best. But if I ask myself in that moment, how can I make this a little bit better? There are some options. One is add a vegetable to the side. So the way I did that was I chopped up some cucumber and just added it to the side of my quesadilla. Another option was add protein to the quesadilla. And now I'm going to reveal to you that I added chicken nuggets to the quesadilla. It was protein. It's not perfect. Chicken nuggets it might not be the ideal protein source, but it was a protein source in that moment. And because I was focused on adding something to that meal to make it a little bit better, adding more protein, I'm not necessarily judging the protein source that I added. I'm still really happy that I added that protein source. And in a moment where I was feeling a little bit flustered because I didn't plan for snacks, I could have been kicking myself over it. I could have said, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to eat whatever's available. I looked at what I had and I added to that meal to make it a bit more nutrient dense for me and to meet my needs. So utilizing this question, I want you guys to start to practice this out in the open, any kind of instance. If you're going out to eat and you're ordering a meal or you're going out to the bars with your friends, how can I make this just a little bit better? Ask yourself that and see how many possibilities you come up with. And this mindset shift will open your mind up to significantly more possibilities. And that's the amazing piece about it because you're no longer boxed into what's perfect and what's failure. Instead, you're seeing a ton of opportunities that can work in various situations. If you are on the road, on a road trip, and your only stop for food is a gas station and that's all that's available to you, I would rather that you ask yourself, how can I make this just a little bit better to empower you to navigate a gas station for a well-balanced snack of sorts, rather than say, I can't eat here because it's not good for me. See how this can empower you to make better decisions on the go. That's my first mindset shift. Let's move on to number two. This one's really important for anybody who's ever been in some kind of weight loss phase. You should not diet over extremely long periods of time. Extremely long periods of time right now is going to be an arbitrary unit of measurement because I do believe that for each and every single person, you're going to have varying degrees of how long you can go into a calorie deficit for weight loss specific. But that said, what we need to establish here and now is that dieting a calorie deficit is stress on the body and you have to manage your overall stress on your body for health. When used appropriately, a calorie deficit can be used for weight loss, but weight loss is a temporary phase in your life. Even if you do have a lot of weight that you would like to lose, it is still a temporary phase and you should not be in that deficit for way too long. All right. You need to give yourself planned diet breaks throughout your process. And this timing, this timeline is going to vary based on how you're managing all of the other stressors in your life. So these planned diet breaks might come every six months as planned by you. Or for instance, I have a client who's currently on a break from being in a deficit because work picked up for him. And we knew that his lifestyle stress was going to increase and that trying to manage his calorie deficit and weight loss goals was going to be a lot on that. So we took that diet break accordingly. 
And in the end, when you do ultimately lose the weight or you do reach whatever goal you're trying to reach, what I see a lot of times is people are staying in the deficit calories, thinking that they have to stay there to maintain their weight. But there is a difference between a deficit and a maintenance. A deficit is eating intentionally lower energy needs than your body requires. And a maintenance is eating at the level of energy needs that your body requires. These are two different things. So if you have gone on a diet to lose weight and then you never stopped doing what you did to lose weight and you're still doing the same thing, we need to get out of that. We need to find maintenance for you. We need to up your intake a little bit. We need to reintegrate some food freedom back for you because I will admit Going into a deficit does require some level of sacrifice. You do have to be a little bit more mindful about what you eat, but going into maintenance mode does not have to require that kind of sacrifice. It does not have to require that level of attention. And you can be a lot more flexible in maintenance mode, especially once you know what you need. And we need to make sure that that is planned for you in your process. I really want to shift your mindset away from thinking that your diet is forever And knowing that there are periods of time in which your body needs more fuel or a little bit less fuel. Now, that's something that just comes with also living life. One thing I mentioned was that my client is going through a more stressful time with work, which means that his body definitely needs a little bit more nutrients. He should not be compounding the stress of less nutrients plus the added stress. And so in this case, we are keeping him at maintenance. We upped his calories just a little bit. So that way we can manage that stress. Let's say somebody's going into a muscle building phase. Muscle building phases require additional energy. So you need to be eating more in order to fuel that kind of level of progress. Let's say that your activity levels pick up. So maybe you have more time to yourself and you can dedicate yourself to the gym more often. Maybe you're not even focused on any kind of physique goal, but you're just really excited to get in the gym and focus on you and take that time. Now, if you're exercising more, you're going to need more fuel. See how with life's changes, you might need a little bit more fuel. You might need a little bit less. Things will not always stay exactly the same. And it's good to know that there is fluctuation in your dietary needs over time. My third mindset shift is going to be food does not have to be deemed good or bad. And I think this is a really complicated topic, mainly because we can acknowledge that there are certain foods that are going to be more nutrient dense and that are going to be more beneficial to your body, while there are other foods that are less nutrient dense, may have additional additives and are not as health promoting. We acknowledge this, but why do I care about linguistics of it? And that's really what it comes down to is labeling food as good versus bad. And that's because these two words are very black and white. It goes back to that all or nothing or perfectionist mindset. The idea that you have to eat perfectly for peak health and that doing otherwise will not help you reach your goals or will not help you be healthy long-term wise, whatever it is that you're trying to attain. And these words, good and bad, also often elicit 
an emotional response. And this emotional response will impact your relationship with food. And no matter what your ultimate goal for you, yourself, your body, and your health is, you really do have to put your relationship with food at the top. I don't think it's worth going into a deficit if it's going to impact your relationship with food, because ultimately that's not going to make you a happier and healthier person. Using terms like good and bad is going to shape your relationship with food. If you continually tell yourself that ice cream is bad for you, M&Ms are bad for you, chips are bad for you, then when you eat them, you're going to feel guilty about it. And often this guilt or food anxiety leads to issues around these foods, such as the tendency to binge when we do eat them. Restriction often leads to binging. So if you're continually telling yourself, ice cream is bad, I shouldn't eat ice cream, I'm going to eat all of this healthy quote-unquote replacement stuff like the nice cream recipes and things and pretend that it is fulfilling my, my desire for ice cream. But then down the line, all of a sudden your willpower caves and you do eventually eat ice cream, chances are you will overeat it because you've spent so much time telling yourself, I can't have this. I can't have this. I can't have this. And that willpower weakens over time and then spills over into more of a binge mentality once you do have that food. And now we're having a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because in this case, we're proving to ourselves, well, I can't control myself around this food, so therefore I cannot have it. Versus if we approach food with more neutrality, without necessarily labeling it as good versus bad, we can cultivate a healthier relationship with this food. My goal is is to educate my clients and you guys as well on the fact that there are going to be foods that you should incorporate into your diet on a very regular basis. They are, they are your whole real foods. You want to get adequate protein, carbs, fats, and vegetables. And you want to eat a variety of these whole real foods to get as many micronutrients as possible. And the better you nourish your body at a foundational level, the more flexibility you have for indulgences. And then when you are feeling nourished and satisfied by the foods that you are eating, and you allow yourself to indulge mindfully, then you are more in control when you eat these foods. And then it doesn't spiral out of control. Then you're not finding yourself overeating them in either periods of time or over elongated periods of time. It's not about saying a food is good or bad. You can evaluate a food as saying this is more nutrient dense, or this is a whole real food, and this is something that I should incorporate more often. And this is a food that's not so much that, and I should not maybe have it every single day or for every single meal, but indulging in it from time to time is not going to ultimately kill me, or it's not going to ultimately damage my health. It's all about finding that balance. And the way to do that is through food neutrality, through not labeling it as good versus bad. And this takes a lot of practice because you really have to unpack what you've been told 
by diet culture over a long period of time, that there are foods that you should and should not eat. Plus from a living standpoint, I don't think it's a life worth living if you don't live a little with food. There are foods put on this earth now that are tasty and delicious and elicit more of an enjoyment aspect out of food. And I think that's an important part of life that we are allowed to enjoy and appreciate while still putting our health at the forefront. My fourth mindset shift is you should know your body better than a macro calculator. Look, yes, there are equations that tell you how much energy your body needs based on your height, weight, level of activity, lifestyle, things like that. And yes, this information is so, so helpful when you are learning what your body needs, because quite frankly, we were not taught from a young age what it really takes to nourish our bodies. We are not given proper education around this. A lot of our education is given to us through diet culture. So we're pretty messed up in that aspect. And it makes sense that a lot of us need to relearn this information through a macro calculator or through some kind of guided approach that tells us how much or how little to eat. But I think the problem extends to when we rely solely on the macro calculator or the app to tell us how much or how little to eat. And we cannot self-regulate because we have not created the relationship that we need with our body in order to do so. Hear me out. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a bit of an example. Let's say you are raising a child, even if you don't have kids, because I don't. You know that raising kids can be really difficult and you can reflect back on your own experience as a kid and how your parents raised you. And now imagine if you read parental books that told you this is exactly how you should raise your kid. And if you raise them like this, they will turn out you know, educated, smart, well-adjusted to society, whatever it is that you're looking for. Imagine this book gives you a set of rules and you only exclusively follow those rules and you do not take into account, let's say the child's feelings or the environment in which they're growing up in or other information that should be accounted for. Will those rules apply? And the point I'm trying to make here is not necessarily, we cannot always go by the book. We cannot always follow rules and assume that they are going to work out for us. We need to create the relationship in my metaphor with this child to understand how they're feeling, how they're experiencing things, how they're absorbing information and thus translating that information and how that in turn is causing them to act or think in certain ways. And then from there, we can take in information and we can respond accordingly and we can guide them. Your body is your child in this case. Your body is constantly taking in information of your environment and your lifestyle, and it is taking this information and translating it into processes within your body, whether these processes run your metabolism or your gut or your hormones and all of these processes that uphold your overall health. A macro calculator alone is not going to tell you how to take care of your body. And you should not be relying on tracking your food for extended periods of time just to know how to take care of yourself. You need to build the relationship. So of course, I talk a lot about understanding your body cues, knowing when to recognize hunger, 
and when to recognize fullness. Because if you notice, there are going to be certain days where you're not quite as hungry as other days. And there are going to be days where you're hungrier than other days. And no macro calculator is accounting for potential variance in hunger. And you need to be able to listen to those signals and know how to respond appropriately. Cravings are another one. So cravings often come from a variety of different places. Some examples of what can cause cravings include hormonal imbalances, but also it could be nutrient deficiencies. And your macro calculator may be able to tell you about nutrient deficiencies if it's blatant there, if you're clearly under your allotted intake for the day, but it might not be able to tell you about those hormonal imbalances that could be creating cravings. Ladies, when you're PMSing, do you have increased cravings for chocolate or sweets or salty things? Your macro calculator is not accounting for this and how we respond and how we deal with this often comes from the relationship that we build with our body. It's also important to recognize how are you feeling? You could be tracking your macros to the gram, but if you feel like shit, you cannot assume that that macro calculator is doing you good. You have to figure out why you feel like shit or what is the biofeedback that your body's telling you? Maybe you're tired, fatigued, your energy is chronically low. What's going on here? Maybe you're not sleeping well. Maybe your sleep quality is impacted and you need to be able to see why. Maybe it's your caffeine intake. Maybe it's the fact that you're staying up late at night, scrolling TikTok or Instagram before bed. And so that's impacting your sleep. These are things that a macro calculator cannot tell you. Are you struggling with your hunger and cravings? Is your poop normal? Right? These are little things that we need to start getting in touch with and we need to start looking at our body less like it's a computer and more like it is a human body, something that's going through experiences in life who is impacted by its environment and is responding appropriately. And thus, we can then develop a better relationship with ourselves and know how to navigate our own health a lot more intuitively rather than with just a macro calculator. So yes, I think that information can be helpful, but I also believe that you need to be the master of your body ultimately once you've developed that relationship. My fifth mindset shift is what you do outside the kitchen and the gym matters. There's a really heavy focus on what you eat and how you move your body. Now, of course, Exercise is the obvious answer for building muscle and creating physiques and getting strong or overall health. We know that we should be moving our body to some degree. I think a lot of us realize that we should be doing some form of resistance training. And then, of course, you have that phrase that comes out of the woodwork that says abs are made in the kitchen. And that's all of a sudden when we make that click of, okay, it's not just what I do in the gym. I can't just outrun. This is another good one. I can't just outrun a bad diet. I have to focus on what I eat. And then these are the two pillars that most people focus on. And while it's a an excellent place to get started, absolutely, I think health needs to come from both the gym and nutrition. It is not all encompassing. And we will find ourselves feeling frustrated with lack of progress, lack of results, or not feeling good in our bodies 
No matter how hard we train or how well we eat, and we cannot figure out why, because a lot of times we're overlooking other aspects of our health journey. And you have to know that things outside of what you eat and how you train really make a difference. Hydration, I would say, is the next pillar that a lot of people look at. I think it's very trendy right now to drink at least a gallon a day. People love having those big jugs, posting their water chugs on Instagram. So I think there's a lot of information now going out about hydration, but then also what we're drinking. You know you're supposed to drink water, but if you're drinking six Diet Cokes a day, then we've got a disconnect here. You know you're supposed to drink water, but you're starting your morning with morning with three cups of coffee and zero water. We're, we have a disconnect here. I think having a look at your overall hydration, ensuring that you're drinking enough and what it means to drink enough. I usually go by the urine test. I really like my clients to use their personal biofeedback, their body, what that tells them as opposed to arbitrary numbers, because how much you should be drinking varies due to different things that you've got going on. So it could be climate. I live in California. It's a lot hotter here, especially compared to the rest of the country right now. I'm recording this in February, early February. It is about 60, 70 degrees on any given day. While I know on the East coast, I was looking the other day, it was like negative 10. Okay. So my hydration levels just from a climate perspective alone are going to be different than those living on the East coast right now. But at the same time, my hydration levels are going to differ from my husband's because he's a larger person than me. So he needs more than I might need based on size alone, but then also activity and so on and so forth, right? I'm getting, I'm getting away from myself, but really have a look at your urine. If it's yellow, you need to drink more water. You're probably dehydrated. And if it's clear, you're probably doing a pretty good job. All right. So staying on top of hydration is one sleep is another one that I believe is under rated because we live in this hustle and this grind culture. So we don't appreciate sleep as much. We think that we can get by on six hours of sleep, but I do believe that we need to emphasize sleep a little bit more. Seven to eight hours is ideal. The closer you get to eight is just supreme. Quality of sleep matters. You might not be, you might not be recognizing it, but your caffeine intake can impact your quality of sleep. So if you're drinking caffeine well into the afternoon, this can be impacting your quality of sleep. If you do not use blue light blocking glasses and you're constantly looking at screens all day and you don't really shut them down before bed, that can be impacting your quality of sleep. And your sleep is really going to make a dent in your overall health, whether you get get enough or not. And this is an important thing for us to look at. The next one that I don't think people really look at enough is stress. Once again, we live in hustle culture, grind culture. We are pretty damn stressed out. I mean, if you watch the news, there's nothing happy being reported. The world is pretty divided on a lot of social issues. We're seeing a lot more protests. We're seeing just in general, more social uprising, right? We just came out of a pandemic and that was stressful enough. A lot of us are still dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, and we need to get a handle on this for our overall health. So even if you are hitting the gym and working on your nutrition, if you're not getting adequate hydration, adequate sleep, managing your stress, this can impact your overall health. And we need to start looking at the larger picture. 
I'm not trying to overwhelm you by all means. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you're starting at ground zero, I'm not telling you, you have to take all of this on at once. Go back to my initial mindset. How can I make this just a little bit better? Focus on one thing, one small thing that you can improve and take it from there. And if you have questions on where to get started, you just let me know. My sixth And final mindset shift for today's podcast, I thought about leaving it off to make it an even five, but I just couldn't do it because this is a mindset shift that I think is really, really important to share. And that is your health is an investment. A lot of times I see us nickel and diming our health. We're constantly looking for a diet that can do things for less, that can do things in less time. We want results now and we want it for the cheap. And I believe that there are things in life that are either an expense or an investment. Let's take clothing, for example. This is a really easy one for us to look at. The constant message that we're being pushed is fast fashion, ultimately is an expense because you're probably going to throw away whatever it is you buy today within a year. And it's not good quality. It's not going to last you long. It's going to warp and look weird over time, or maybe the colors fade, what have you. So a lot of times we're being encouraged to spend a little bit more on a quality item that's going to last us longer because we'll get more out of it. We understand investing in quality products. And this goes beyond clothing. We understand that if we invest in a quality item, we will hopefully get more longevity out of it and have less issues with it. Sometimes that price does equate to quality long-term. So why on earth do we nickel and dime our health? Why are we always trying to get it for as cheap as possible? We want to Google our way through our health journey, our nutrition journey. We want to take whatever fast diet we can figure out on our own and implement it. We want to find a free workout program, or maybe you're cutting corners by making your own workout program. And look, I get it. We're all on a budget. Right now, life is super expensive. I do not blame you. And this is when you want to look at health as an investment because where you're putting your money ultimately is going to result in having a happier and healthier body in the long run. There's a lot of areas that I cut spending in my life because I saw them as expenses and they were expendable. There are things that I will not spend money on because I know that it's not really getting me further in life. It's more of this instant gratification thing. And by all means, when my income grows, I would love to be able to spend a little bit more on some expenses because that's what brings fun in life. But I also made a lot of these cuts to invest my money in areas where I deemed were necessary. One of them was investing in my health coach, the coach that has been helping me through rehabbing my chronic back pain. And let me tell you, I spent years, years saying that I could not afford it, that I could not afford to get the help that I needed to help my chronic back pain. And I was willing to take any and any freebie possible, any free opportunity, any cheap opportunity to try to hack it and fix it myself. And you know where that landed me? Not in such a good place late last year. And that's when I finally decided, screw this. I'm tired of being in pain. What I'm doing is clearly not working for me. And I've only prolonged. 
the pain that I've been in. And when I reflect back on those days when I said I could not afford to get help for my chronic back pain, I could not afford to invest in myself in the things that I needed to treat that pain. I also look at how I spent my money. I was going to the bars four days a week. I was getting my hair done every three months. I was getting my nails done all the time. I still love getting my nails done, but I get that I was a post-college grad with not a lot of money, not making a ton, but with these new eyes, seeing the investment that I've made in the past year, just one year alone, and I've gotten so much more control over my chronic back pain and I kick myself thinking, what if I had invested in this years ago? What if I made sacrifices on my expenses on those things? Like I made my hair blue and purple and red, and I would change it all the time. And it was cool in the moment, but those cool hair colors fade and take a massive amount of upkeep and it's temporary and it made me feel good in the moment, but it hasn't done anything to improve my life to this day. I still think that there is room for fun expenses, but I also just think that we need to stop nickel and diming our health, stop looking for the cheap route. Yes, there are things that we can DIY. Yes, there are tons of information out there that we can use just to get our journey started. Yes, there are more affordable options, but when we stop looking at our health as an expense, we start treating it as an investment and the more we put into it, not even just from a money perspective, but from a time and an effort perspective, the more we get out of it, because that's going to improve our lives down the line. I mentioned time and energy, right? This is not just a money conversation, but this is also about the time and energy that you put into your health. A lot of times we will poo-poo our health. We'll put it off. We'll, we will do what I did and exist in our misery, exist in our pain or our discomfort, whether it is you're unhappy in your body or you're unhappy with your relationship with food, you don't feel good, you don't feel healthy, your energy's drained, whatever it is. And you might sit there and go, well, I don't have time to put effort into me. I don't have time to put effort into my health. When a lot of times it's just a lack of prioritizing. It goes back to my first mindset. How can we make this just a little bit better? You do not have to overhaul your health today to see better results down the line. You just have to start making small changes now. And it might be uncomfortable and it might not be something that we want to do all the time, but think of the investment. An investment is ultimately something that gives back to you. It reaps benefits down the line. And that's what improving your health does. If you improve your health today, you will benefit from that down the line. But there are a lot of things that we would rather spend our money on that will not benefit our lives. And if you are healthier, then you can take better vacations. If you are healthier, then you can take care of yourself and your family. If you are healthier, then you can show up better as an employee, as a friend, as a spouse, as a partner in life. There are so many aspects to how improving your overall health can help improve your overall life in the long term. I think I went on a little bit of a tangent about that one, but I'm very passionate about it because I know that I learned personally 
that I did nickel and dime my health for a while. I did those diet fads. I did the skinny teas. I did the diet pills, you name it. I went down those routes. I did not invest in myself for a long period of time. And once I started investing in myself, I saw the benefits of doing so. And so it is a topic that I am very passionate about and I think is worth touching upon. So with that, let's do a little recap on the six mindset shifts that I talked about today. Number one, asking the question, how can I make this just a little better? Mindset two, you shouldn't diet over extremely long periods of time. Number three, food does not have to be deemed good or bad. Number four, you should know your body better than a macro calculator. Number five, what you do outside the kitchen and the gym matters. And number six, your health is an investment, not an expense. I'm going to wrap up those mindset shifts for today. If you have not listened to part one of this episode, go ahead, look back on that, catch my other five mindset shifts that I shared last week. And I would love to know which mindset shifts for you hit hard. I already mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that not every single one is going to be something that hits for you. You might be ahead of the game or you might just not be there yet, but I do want to know which of these hit for you today. Go ahead, send me a message on Instagram or share this podcast episode to your story. Tag me and let me know which mindset shift was the thing that you needed to hear. And until then, I will catch you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I am so happy to be a part of your health journey. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're now one step closer to ditching diet culture and finding real food freedom.